0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. I thought I was going to preach this passage today, just today, but as I was working on it yesterday, it just kept growing and growing and growing, and so I said, well, I'll just split it down the middle, and we'll do half of it today, we'll do half of it next week. And the title of this week and next week is going to be simply titled, I Will. I will, about making a choice, that today you can make a choice by making the statement I will from the scripture and the passage that we look at today as it is the month of Thanksgiving and we're getting closer to Turkey Day. Me and my wife, uh, we're going to head down to Louisiana, have us a Cajun Christmas with my family, uh, spend some time with them. Um, and I was on the phone with my mom yesterday, and we were going over the menu. As we get closer, we've got to start making the decision of what's going to be on the menu for Turkey Day. Are we going to? Are we going to have turkey? If we have turkey, are we going to fry it? Are we going to bake it? Are we going to burn it? What what are we going to do? What type of turkey are we going to have? Are we going to have ham? What are our sides going to be? Those are all good. What are the vegetables? What type of bread are we going to have? We're going to make our own. We're going to have rolls. We're going to have biscuits, cornbread. Those are all good decisions to make. But where my heart is when it comes to Thanksgiving is what type of desserts are we going to have on the table? We're going to have chocolate pie, sweet potato pie, pumpkin pie. We're going to have brownies. We're going to have cookies, cheesecake. What are we dealing with here? We've got to start making a decision what is going to be on the menu and we're going to make a decision of what's not going to be on the menu. As I was talking with my mom, she was like, well, what is... Maddie and their family normally have, and I started listing off some things, and the list kept growing and growing of the things that are normally on my wife's side of the family, and, uh, and I think I overwhelmed my mom because she had an idea. She's like, oh, okay, adding that. Oh, that. I said, no, we're not adding any of, any of that. I'm just telling you, here's uh, an idea of what's going on. What will you have on your plate or what will not be on the menu? I will. We have to make a decision. Are you tired of the direction of your life? Are you wishing there was some way to turn your life around? Do you want to add some things to your life? Do you possibly want to remove, take some things off of the menu of your life? Today, you can make some changes in the direction of your life by making a decision that you will. Today, you get to make the choice of what your tomorrow will be. Today, right now, you get to make the decision of what your tomorrow is going to be like. For most of us, we have work tomorrow. For those that are retired, we're jealous. God bless you. Can't wait to be there. But today, you have the choice of how your tomorrow is going to be. In Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15, this isn't the passage that we're Landing on for the next day, this Sunday and next Sunday. Joshua 24 15, Joshua is about to die, and he's telling the children of Israel something very important that he wants to get across from them. And he tells them, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose. You make a choice for yourself this day, right now in this moment. You make a choice. Do you think serving the Lord is evil? Who are you going to serve? Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But Joshua makes a choice. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Sometimes we want to put all the blame on God. Well, God, we just want to do whatever you want to do. God, we just, we just want to know what your will is. And God is encouraging us today that we have a choice, we have an option, we have some decisions that we need to make to help us, put us on the right path going forward in our lives. And Joshua is saying all the way back in whatever year that was, as he's about to pass away, talking to the children of Israel, he's saying, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. If you think serving God is evil and not the right thing, And you think that there's another God out there, that there's another opportunity for you to be saved, that there's another church, there's another uh, religion, there's another thing that's out there, then choose that. But Joshua makes the decision that as for me and my house, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will serve the Lord starting today. We see the blessing of the decisions that Joshua did throughout his life as the rest of the Israelites Died in the wilderness. He was one of two who survived because he made a choice to be on God's side. Yes, the giants look like grasshoppers. No. Yes, we look like grasshoppers and they look like giants. (laughs) But we can go and defeat them. Everybody else says, oh no, we can't. We're so tiny they died in the wilderness. But the choices that he made in serving God helped him as he moved throughout his life. The passage that I want to highlight this Sunday, next Sunday, is Psalms chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. We'll do verse 1 today and we'll finish verse 2 next Sunday. Psalms chapter 9, verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all of your marvelous works. Verse 2, I will be glad and rejoice in you, and I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. You will praise God with your whole heart. Make the decision today. Choose today that you will praise God with your whole heart. Make the choice today that you will tell or testify of God's great works Make the decision that you will be glad and rejoice in him, and make the decision that you will sing about his great name. Now the author, the songwriter of this psalms is David, is King David. King David had his ups and downs. He started in a field, and he ended up in the White House started as a young forgotten shepherd boy and ended up as one of the greatest kings of Israel. It wasn't because of who he was, but the choices and the decisions that he made, and we see it in Psalms 9 as he's saying, I will, I will, I will. Although there are things coming against me, although there are negative things that are happening in my life, although there are bad decisions that he made, He always made the decision to follow God. And because of that, the scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. Is what the scripture calls him. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 15, oh, sorry, Acts chapter 13, that the writer of Acts, which is Luke, was inspired by God to recount a story of the Apostle Paul preaching a sermon. To the people in the synagogue at Antioch, Paul being inspired by God, he only speaks what Jesus has taught him, and this is what he says about David to the Jews in the synagogue in Antioch years and years later. King David has already died. Jesus has already come. He's already died. He's already been risen from the dead. He's already gone up into heaven, and he says this in his message in verse 22, he says, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. God said this. It wasn't somebody else. It was God who says, I found him, I made him king, and he was a man after my own heart who will do All of my will. And verse 23 says, from this man's seed, King David's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior by the name of Jesus. Hopefully you've heard of him. If we go back to verse 22, God says that he will do all of my will. I might have to say, time out, God. Hold on. He will do all of your will, because what I remember when I read about King David is this one little story that blew the kingdom up almost. It was the real housewives of Israel. King David was supposed to be fighting. He was supposed to be going out to battle when all the other kings went out to battle, and he said, well, I'm tired, and he stayed home. And as he stayed home, he just so happened to wander out onto the roof in the middle of the night when everyone knew that is when baths were taken. And he just so happened to see a woman bathing at that time, which makes me think probably isn't the first time he's been up there. Wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And the more that he was doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing, the more he kept doing the stuff that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And he meets this lady, and it unravels from there. The woman gets pregnant. He has to try and hide his tracks. He kills one of his closest friends in battle. It's one main story right there in the middle of King David's life that doesn't appear, in my mind, to be the will of God. But God says He did all of His will. And we know in the Scriptures that it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So we know that David had faults and failures. He's human just like us. We know some of his main faults and failures because the scriptures record them. But it doesn't seem like God speaking through Paul's life is that he is interested in reminding and bringing up his faults and failures. Everything that he remembers about David is that David had a man after his own heart. Everything that he remembers about David is that he did the exact will that he wanted to. It seems like God had forgotten about some certain things in his life. Because David had a heart that was purposed after God's heart. That seemed to be God's focus, not his faults and failures, because God is love And if you read 1 Corinthians 13, you see what love does. Love bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things. It bears all things, it believes all things. We just see in 1 John 4, 8, if we go to 1 Peter 4, 8, we'll see something else that love does. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Because look at this, for love will cover, oh, a multitude of sin. The reason that God can stand on his, sit on his throne and say, David is a man after my own heart and he did my exact will. Everything that I wanted him to do, he did is because God is love and he covers a multitude of sin. And that same God loves you today. And that same God is willing and ready To cover your multitude of sin, past, present, and future. And all he sees of you is you doing his will and what he wants to do. A man or woman after his heart. He sent his son to die for you. God has shown you what he's willing to do for you. So the question remains, what are you willing to do? Proverbs 16 verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord, he will direct your steps. Your plan and your way, you make the opportunity to plan your way. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? It says, God will give you the desires of your heart. Well, God, I want to do what you desire. And God's looking down from heaven and he says, well, I want to do what you desire. I want to give you the desires of your heart. And you're sitting here saying, God, just tell me what you desire and I'll do it. And God says, well, you just tell me what you desire and I'll do it. Okay, God, but I just want to do what you want to do. God looks down and he says, well, I just want to do what you want to do. You tell me, I'll tell you. Scripture here says you plan your way and the Lord will direct your steps. Where do you want to be? Tomorrow. Where do you want to be by the end of the year? My plan, I don't want to live a life of sin anymore. My plan, I want to love my wife more. I want to love my kids more. I want to have a better relationship with God. My plan is to be out of debt. My plan is to see his hand move in my life and in the church and the community. Those are my plans that I'm putting forward. Now he's going to direct my steps. He's going to show me how I can love my wife more, how I can have a better relationship with him, a deeper relationship with him, how I can get some understanding in the scriptures. You plan your way, and he will order your steps. And that's the beautiful partnership that we have with him. It's a relationship that we have with God. That he can talk to me and I can talk to him and we can just move and go. He says left, I go left. He says straight, I stay straight. He says stop, I stop and listen. I might even collaborate with him. Psalms chapter 9 verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart heart. That phrase, I will praise, the definition in the Hebrew, means to revere or worship with extended hands. To revere or worship with extended hands. Confession, praise, thankful, thanksgiving. I will praise you. I will revere you. I will worship you with extended hands with all of my heart for everything that you've done for me, for everything that you're going to do for me, for what you've done in my family, in my church, in my life. With revere and worship, I'll worship you with extended hands. And I'll do it with my whole heart. I know there's parts of my heart that are hurt. I know there's parts of my heart that are wounded. There are parts of my heart that are ugly. But I know if I offer my whole heart to you and you come in, you can heal me. You can heal my mind, my will, my emotions. You've already saved my soul. But there's things that have happened in my life. There's drama. There's trauma that has happened in my heart. People have hurt me. People have wounded me. And I know if I just worship you with my whole heart, then you can heal my whole heart. You can restore my whole heart. You can bring me out of that pain, out of that darkness, out of that evil, out of that frustration, and you can convey me into your kingdom of light. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, Now, when I hear that, the sacrifice of praise to God, immediately, I think that there's work that I've got to do. I've got to give more. I've got to serve more. I've got to do more works. I've got to do less bad things. If I'm doing a sacrifice, if I'm making a sacrifice to God, he's going to want me to do something more. I've got to give up my free time i got to quit watching sports. I've got to make a sacrifice so that I can praise God. But this is what a sacrifice of praise to God looks like. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Whoo. I'm not kneeling on a bunch of broken shells and rice. I'm not beating myself trying to atone for my own sins. The sacrifice that... God's talking about because he's already made a sacrifice. His son was the one time, the best of them all, sacrificed for you and your sins and for humanity. So therefore, the sacrifice that he's offering and asking me to do in regards to praising him is just open up my mouth and give thanks to him. Thank you, God, for sending your son. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you, Jesus, for praying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being the head of the church and putting the five-fold ministry in place so that we can benefit and bear witness to what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, for doing miracles, not only to us, but also through us. Thank you, Jesus, I offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. We can do that. But to us, that's too simple of a sacrifice. Just saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I made it to church today. Thank you, God, that I woke up. Thank you that I had clothes to wear. Thank you that I made it here. Thank you that I can sit in your word and listen to you. Thank you that I'm going to go home to a house. Thank you. And by doing that, sacrifice of praise to God. But for some reason, that's, that's too easy for us. We want to make it harder. If I don't read my Bible, if I don't pray, if I don't go to church, if I don't give, we want to check all these boxes. If I don't check them all, (laughs) then God doesn't love me. He's not going to talk to me. He doesn't care about me. God, don't you see all the sacrifices I'm doing? I even listen to that Christian radio station. Have you heard some of the songs on there? I'm making a sacrifice. I love Journey, but I'm listening to Newsboy's. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. God says sacrifice of praise is just opening your mouth, the fruit of your lips, to revere or worship with extended hands. Mark eleven 24. We've heard Mark eleven twenty two, which just simply says, have faith in God. And he keeps speaking and in verse 24. He says, therefore, I say to you, to me? Yes, to you, whatever things you ask, When you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. You will have them. You will have them. You will have them. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, so when you want to ask God for something, you should be in prayer. When you're praying and asking God for something, you should be believing having faith in God that he's going to deliver it. Well, God, if it's your will, I sure would like to be healed today. That'd be nice. No, no, no. We pray in believing with authority of the, G, of the name of Jesus that he gave us. It says, by your stripes I am healed. My body must come in alignment to your word, that you sent your word, and it healed me, and it restored my body, and it healed my body. Therefore, my body is the temple. Therefore, no sickness or disease can reside in there anymore. There's a difference in the authority of the prayer and believing. When I lay my hands on somebody, it says that they must recover. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be restored in Jesus' name. You ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We offer up praise, thanking God with our whole heart for what he's done and what he will do. But I want you to know that God's not going to force you to do anything. But he will give you many opportunities to join him. There's that stinking, stupid little thing that happened all the way back with Adam and Eve called free will, where you get to make the choice. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way, which means there is potential for other ways to be presented to you to bring error to you. So then he follows up with, I am the truth. Which means if you go a different way and you fall into error, then there's death on that side. So that's why he follows it up again and says, I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Because he knew that there would be other ways that would bring error. And if you fell into that error and you chose that error, you would fall into death. So he said, I'll just wrap all three of them in one statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Other people are going to tell you that there are other ways to get to heaven, to get to the Father, to have a better life, to do this, to do that. He says, I'm the only way to follow me. You will praise your God even when everything in your life is contrary to his word. In Psalms chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, we go back one chapter in Psalms chapter 8. It says, O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Verse 2, and it says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, out of the praise of babies is strong enough and powerful enough to silence your enemies. How much more you, a mature Christian, and the praise in your mouth and the authority in your mouth can silence the enemies and the avengers? not the Marvel characters. Them too, though. Jesus actually references this scripture right when he comes in toward the end of his time as he rides in on a donkey. He comes into Jerusalem, and as soon as he gets off the donkey, he starts making a whip. Because he's about to go clear out the temple. And as he's Binding that whip and doing whatever he's doing and making it, he's just looking around. He said, You're gonna get it. You definitely gonna get it. I'm gonna flip that table right over on you and we're gonna go. And he walks into that temple and he gets to Indiana Jones and everybody. And it says, I think I have it here. Yes, verse 15 of Matthew 21. But when the chief priest and the scribes, they always get so grumpy, saw the wonderful things, it doesn't say the bad things that Jesus did, it doesn't say the ugly things that Jesus did, it doesn't say the evil things that Jesus did. Their response, but when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying, all of a sudden there's children in the temple that come running up to Jesus and they're crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. What was their response? What was the religious people's response to wonderful things that happened? They were mad. How dare he? Look at verse 16. And said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Do you hear the children? Hosanna, son of David? The wonderful things that we all just saw? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? referencing Psalms chapter 8, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Wait a second, Jesus. Let's go back to Psalms 8 verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength, is what the word says. But the word in the flesh, go back to Psalms, I mean, Matthew, it says, out of the mouth of babes, not only has it ordained strength, it has perfected praise. The Word who became flesh said, Yeah, I like ordained strength, but I also like it perfecting praise. You have perfected praise. And your perfected praise, if we look, if we put perfected praise in there now, in Psalms 8 verse 2, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And what does that perfected praise do? It silences your enemies and your avengers. Makes me want to praise a little bit more. Silences them. There's something about a Christian who keeps praising that the enemy doesn't have an answer for. It's just something about it that annoys the enemy. In the scriptures it says that the enemy is the author of confusion. But if you want to confuse the enemy, if you want to confuse the author of conf- of confusion, just start praising. Because his expectation is to steal, kill, and destroy. And when he does that, when he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, his expectation is that you fold. His expectation is that you quit going to church, you quit praying, you quit believing, you curse God, you run away from God, you leave him alone, you leave the church family alone. His expectation is when I put this on you that you'll run and you'll crumble, but not us. Because my foundation is set not on sinking sand, but on the rock and you want to confuse the devil, you stand on that rock when your world is falling apart and you lift your hands to heaven and you say, worthy are you, God. Holy is your name. Blessed are you. Revere and worship with extended hands. And all of a sudden, you start confusing the author of confusion when he says, he's not supposed to do that. She's not supposed to act like that. She shouldn't be at church. She shouldn't be reading her Bible. She couldn't be quoting those scriptures. She shouldn't be singing that song. I keep attacking and attacking and attacking, and here you are. Worthy is your name, Jesus Praise you, Father. I thank you that even in the middle of the storm, there's peace. Even in the middle of this frustration, there is mercy and grace and love. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. You see, before the devil was the devil, his name was Lucifer. You can read about his fall in several different passages, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel, I think, 26 or 28, and Jesus references it as well. His name was Lucifer, and it's believed that, that he was a musical instrument, that he was created to make music, that his body released music, that when he walked into heaven, he was the boombox, he was the speaker's. He was the headphones, he was the microphones, he was the pianos. He emitted music everywhere he went. And somehow, someway, he started thinking he was the better creation than the creator. We know that didn't last long. As soon as he made the choice, I am, I will be better than him. They're using me to worship him if I wasn't here and would they worship him as good? He takes a third of the angels with him. Which, just a side note, that means there's still two-third angels that are in heaven. So even before Jesus showed up, the angels and God outnumbered the devil and his dumb forces. And then he put the Holy Spirit inside of us, charged us to be in his army as well. So not only does he have two-thirds of the angels, he has all of us Christians here ready to rock and roll against that dumb devil and a third of those stupid angels that fell. We've got the victory. Take that, leave it however you want. So we think with Lucifer that his punishment is coming. We've heard this over and over and over again. Well, one day we're going to get the devil and they're going to, kick him into the lake of fire, and he's going to burn for eternity. And, and so we're all just waiting for that to happen. That's his punishment. He gets to run free and do all kinds of crazy stuff, but his punishment is one day going to be in hell. I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that his punishment started when he got kicked to the earth because all of a sudden the eternal creature who was music, who invented music, who made music, now had to listen to God's creation sing all around him. The very thing that he was created to do, he was no longer doing, and God just freely gave the ability for us to sing and praise God to each and every one of us. Do you know how much of a punishment that is, for him to be walking this earth and to hear my off-pitch, off-key song worshiping him with extended hands when that's what he was created to do. And he says, that was my job, and I did it so much better, but yet you love him more, which makes him even more mad, which makes me want to praise him even more. You get to do the very job that the devil was created to do And God freely gave it to you to use your voice and praise and worship and sing. You need to make a decision today that no matter the circumstance, you will praise your God. No matter what storm you're going through, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, you will praise him with your whole heart. You'll confuse the devil and do his job way better. I will make a choice today. I will do Lucifer's job way better than he ever did. I'm going to praise God louder. I'm going to do whatever I can do to sing and worship my God over what that dumb devil tried to do. Praise him and watch the confusion leave your life. Listen to this. Let the abundance of your heart be shown by the abundance of your praise. It says, out of the abundance of your mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. So listen to what you're saying. Well, God never does this, or God always does this. He's going to show up and be true to His word. Let the abundance of your heart be made shown by the abundance of your praise. All right, we got a roll. We got Psalms 91, verse 2. No, sorry, Psalms 91, verse 1, the second part. It says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all of your marvelous works. I will tell of all of your marvelous works. That phrase, I will tell, means to count, to recount, and to account. Sounds like we're talking about... Whatever the name, Sesame Street, Count Dracula, or whatever, to count, recount, and a count to celebrate, to declare, to speak. It means to tell out or to talk. I will tell of God's great work. I will give count. I will recount. I will account of God's great work. I will celebrate. God's great work. I will declare God's great works. I will speak. I will tell out. I will talk of God's great works. Romans 2 verse 11, a very short scripture says, for there is no partiality with God. If he did it for one person, he'll do it for another. If he healed somebody over here, he's willing to heal somebody over there. If he saved somebody over here, he's willing to save somebody over there no partiality. He loves you for you. And if miracles miracle showed up in somebody else's life, if you've heard somebody telling a miracle about somebody else's life, your first thought should be, well, God never does nothing for me. I prayed once, and he didn't answer that, so I gave up on that. Our first thought shouldn't be when we hear God doing something in someone else's life to just blow it off. Because it says here there's no partiality. So if you hear somebody testifying what God has done in their life, it means whatever he did in their life, he is more than willing to do it in your life. He's willing. He's willing. He's willing to do miracles, signs, and wonders in your life. He's willing to show up and minister in your life. He's willing to bless your life. He's willing to save you, your family, your marriage, your job. He's willing. You've got to come to that first. Does he care about me? Does he care about doing something in my life? The answer is yes and yes. He's willing and he's also able. Not only is he willing, he's also able to do that miracle. More than able. It's also important to not just tell or testify to others about God, but also for us to remember what he's done for us. To recount. I will tell of God's great works. I will recount it in my mind, in a journal, in my heart. Psalm 77 verses 11 and 12 scripture says i will remember the works of the lord i make a choice to remember to recount the works of the lord in my life surely i will remember your wonders of old in verse 12 says i also meditate on all of your works and talk of your deeds that we make it a priority to listen to the stories of what God has done in our lives, to be encouraged to know that if God did something in your life, he wants to do something in my life. And then to sit down and remember and recount the times that God has showed up for you. We're coming to the end of 2021. What has God done for you in 2021? What has he done for you? Think about it as we get closer. What is God going to do for you in 2022? What did God do for you in 2020? The chaos of that year. What did God do in the year 2000? What did God do in the year 1990? In the 80s, in the 70s, in the 60s, in the 50s, 40s? However far you have to go back to sit down and recount. You remember when he saved you? You remember whatever church you were in? Whatever missionary showed up? Whatever preacher prayed with you? Whatever parent prayed with you? Do you remember what you were like before Yikes. Remember what you were like after? Take time to recount what God, remember the works of God in your life. Because if he did it for you before, he'll do it for you again. If he healed you all the way back in the 80s, he still wants to heal you in 2022. His mercies are new every morning. He wants to show up, and it's important for us to tell and testify, not only the people around us, but also ourselves and remind what he did. I will give a recount of what God has done in my life. You'll be amazed if you just sit down and say, Holy Spirit, remind me of the times that you've helped me, and you just start writing how quick those pages will fill up. I remember when you saved me. I remember when you when I was praying and and you helped my son, you helped my daughter, you helped us in the pregnancy, you helped us find a house, you helped us pay off debt, you helped us fix our relationship, you helped us do this, you helped us do that. If you just sit down and recount, that page will start filling up of what God has done, the good works that He's done for you. Recently, I've been uh watching a, a court case that's been on TV. I'm also a big Law & Order fan. I've watched that a bunch, the, the old school ones. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. Um, growing up and in college, criminal justice major, and uh, I only got subpoenaed once. Uh, to go to court. There was an incident that happened at the jail. I had to write the report and uh, put in the evidence and all that. And I got subpoenaed, went to court, sat down, uh, and and for them to decide if they were going to uh, take the case or press the charges or whatever against uh, the people that were involved. And there's a case that's been on TV here recently, and they've been interviewing these different witnesses, the prosecution, the defendant, uh, the defense, as they're trying to figure out the truth to the story. And in this particular case, the defendant, the person who's being accused, actually took the stand. Usually, in cases, they have uh, the defendant plead the fifth, and he just he or she just sits there and, and and doesn't talk or doesn't say anything. But this is a unique case because the defendant actually went and sat in the stand and had to testify about the events that happened around that incident. And they're asking him questions about the previous incident and what happened, when it happened, how it happened, why it happened, and the prosecution's asking all their questions, the, defendants, the defense is asking their questions. But not one time did they ask them about a future event that was going to happen. They're just talking about a past event. Not one time did they say, well, what about in 2022 when you decided to rob a bank Because in the court case, you don't normally talk about anything that's going to happen in the future. The court case is whatever's happened in the past. And you see, it's vital that not only we testify about what God has done in the past, but also testify about what God's about to do for me in the future. That I want to tell you, yeah, I might not be healed or restored, or I'm working through some things right now, but next year, next month, next week, God's going to show up. God's going to meet me where I'm at. God's going to change me. Look at me in six months, and I'm not going to be who I used to be. It's time for us to not just testify about what happened and what God saved us from, but also what he's bringing us into in the future. That each one of us has a testimony that we have right now and one that we're speaking into Psalms 118 verse 17 is a, a very important scripture to me and I think to our family as well. It's a scripture that, that I know. It says, I will live and not die, and I will declare the works of the Lord. From this point on, I will live, I will not die, and from this moment on, I will declare the works of the Lord. I'm not going to talk about the struggles, the failures, The bad season I'm in, the bad situation I'm in, what I'm going to talk about is that I'm going to live and not die, and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. God's moving, God's changing, God's showing up, God's answering. She's not in here. She's taking care of the kids because I need to start winding it down. But when my mother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago, we found that out. I was praying for her as we were going to her house to take communion, as we were going to figure out what the next steps were, and this scripture welled up inside of me. And I walked into that house with a full assurance, with the full authority of God, and I walked in. I said, the scripture that we're standing on through this whole thing is this scripture right here. Miss Karen, you will live and not die, and you will declare the works of the Lord. This cancer will not... Hold you back, it will not kill you, it will not destroy you. You will live and not die, and you will declare the works of the Lord. That's the scripture that I had that I believed in. She had surgery, and what showed cancer one day after they did surgery, just showed a couple fatty cells and no cancer at all. Praise God. Testimony, a testimony, a testimony that each and every one of you have a testimony, that there are people here who have been healed. There are people here who have been restored. There are people here who have been saved, that you have a testimony, and it's time for you to start testifying. Not to keep talking about the negative things that are happening in your life. Well, I don't know if I'll have a job. I don't know if I'll have a house. I don't know if I'll have a car. I don't know if I'll have a spouse. Put that country song away and start testifying that God is on your side. God's going to show up, he's going to minister, he's going to provide. I don't know how, I don't know when, but he's going to make a way where there is no way. If he saved me before, he'll save me again in the name of Jesus. I will tell of God's great work. Let's land the plane right there and we'll talk about verse 2 next week. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have freely given us a choice. That we get to decide and choose what we're going to do in our future. And hopefully, everyone here will make the choice that they will praise you with their whole heart. They'll praise you no matter what season they're in, no matter what they're going through. That from their mouth, they will make the sacrifice of praise by releasing the fruit of their lips and telling you how good you are, how great you are. And that we'll do the dumb devil's job. I'll sing louder. I'll sing better. I'll sing, holy, holy are you, Lord. I'll praise you in whatever season I'm in. Whatever the world tries to throw at me, my praise will get louder. And Father, I'm going to testify. I'm going to sit and listen to the stories of the people around me of how you've saved them and how you've restored them and how you've shown up in their life. Because if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. Father, I'm going to take time to recount the times that you've shown up in my life. Because if you did it in the past, then you'll do it in my future. If you did it once in my past, you'll show up again in my future. And Father, I'm going to live and not die, and I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to testify into the future that I'm going into. I am planning my way, and you're directing my steps. I'm planning my way, and you're directing my steps. I'm testifying my way and you're planning my steps. You're ordering my steps. You're directing my steps that where I am right now, I'm not going to be tomorrow. Where I am right now, I'm not going to be in the same place six months from now. I'm not going to deal with that depression. I'm not going to deal with that insecurity. I'm not going to deal with those struggles. I'm not going to deal with them anymore because I'm planning my way right now that I will testify about where you're bringing me into. And Father, We testify and we praise you by just quoting scripture over us, washing us in the word, that, Father, we have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you that each and every person here, their body is the temple of the Most High God. Father, you sent your word and you healed and removed all destruction from their midst. Father, by Jesus' stripes, their body is already healed in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that your healing power is moving and manifesting in their hearts, their minds, their bodies, their wills, their emotions. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that your word says we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. We are blessed where we are right now. And Father, we are blessed where we're going into your future. And Father, everything we put our hands to must prosper in the name of Jesus. And finally, Father, I thank you that we are a city set on a hill and we refuse to be hidden. We are the salt and light of the earth. We will go out and we will share your gospel message with everyone we come in contact with. We will invite them to church. We will tell them our testimonies. We will tell them about God and how good he is and how he wants to see them saved and in heaven at the end of their time. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that you've blessed them. You've protected them and you'll keep them prospering in everything they do. Now bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.